You are listening to the Heart of Tradition podcast. All right, back on the mic, trying to discuss world history a little bit, um, the Greek and Roman culture, and how these cities in Europe, uh, including from Epsom to Bath to the Dolomites in Italy and the, the regions around there. There's so many, actually. These are just bigger ones, but there's so many. And, and even throughout the U.S. and all over the world, you find this same sort of pattern of different types of high mineral particularities in the water or sediments or vegetation or, you know, that is contributing to certain beneficial health of the population living there. So, um, if we start with like Lutraki, Lutraki is a very interesting one because this is where the Greeks, this was, they called it Thermae, which is like the, the master bath, I guess. I mean, Lutraki is, means bath in Greek, in Greek, Greek, not Lutraki. I think it's Lut or something like that. I don't know how to say it, but, um, and so, um, that, that thermal was the inspiration for you know the natural baths were the inspiration for the the unnatural baths meaning you know not unnatural but i guess like um you know the the system of bath culture with the hypocaust system which was the heating cauldrons underneath the floor the tiles the raised you know columns underneath and how they would get the smoke to go through but then come back up and out and so it would it would not you know get into the facility but it would be but it would heat and then go out and they had it you know, they, they, they had mastered the, the wind flow suction, you know, and all these things to make it, you know, streamlined. And so they were copying Lutraki to some degree. They were trying to build a thermae all throughout their culture. So they got so much benefit from these, these thermal natural um, cures that they decided to build that into their system. And so, um, which, which wasn't too strange for them because you're, you you got to remember they were mining. They were there was a lot of salt brine mining operations. They were you know salt brine mining as well. Um, they also took salts from the sea. Uh, all of these processes of mining for stone, not only like you know alabaster and marble and limestone. You know if Greece is still fifty percent of the world's white limestone comes from Greece. It's still you know and limestone is just a different sister of, 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 um, what do you call it? Marble. Uh, so 50% of the white marble in the world is coming from Greece. And, and that marble at an earlier stage is limestone or with different sets of parameters. Um, and so this kind of, uh, um, you know, mining and digging and the importance of salt, I mean, salt, salary, uh, you know, be, to be worth one salt, all of these things point to how important salt was to these civilizations. They built culture around salt. And you're like, wow, they were just obsessed, you know. <laughs> but the truth is, is they knew there was so much there. There was like, they called salt white gold, actually. And it was a soft, you know, kind of stone, I guess, and, and that was able to be, you know, pulled out or you could do it through seawater, you know, evaporation. There was many ways that they were able to, to get the salt, um, but also through mining and, you know, finding sodium there, halite and other types of, 
you know, softer stone. Um, and so they were able to um, mine all this, brine all this sometimes, depending on what, what they were trying to do, heat these things, brine, heat, transform. You know, they made concrete from slake lime and other types of limestone combinations. They would use seawater in that concrete and mortar. And they had a lot of really interesting, I guess you could call it, natural god proportions on how they use calcium and mag even in their own structures and what they created and so the greeks were kind of like the foundation you know people point to the romans and like you know the lead lining of all the baths and they're like see there was the lead that killed them and you know and there may be some truth to that but the but the funny thing is is the high magnesium waters and the high magnesium bath system actually magnesium does reduce uh, the contamination by lead and it can be used to clean lead out of water and beryllium and other things so especially in like a concentrated like f form like bittern so what is bittern bittern is a very important idea because it's when you go through salt mining this will all connect in the end so don't worry but when you go through salt mining you know there's this side product that's produced which is a kind of a sulfate magnesium chloride kind of you know I wouldn't say it darker, but it's more like, I guess it can get close to dark in some, in some places, depending on different particularities, but it's more of like a more viscous, um, side product that comes out of the salt mining, uh, operations. Now, um, well, some areas you may not have as much of it because of the, you know, the clay or the winds or the northern winds and, you know, kind of like in Brittany with the clay. And so things get absorbed back and there's this kind of perfect environment. But in a general sense, like especially with solution mining and salt mining and things like that, like the bittern is a natural product from salt pro uh, production. And, and it's not a small product either. It's a, it's a very quantitative product, even, uh, uh, even relative to salt. So, I mean, you know, you'll, you'll have like a cubic meter of this stuff for every, you know, like, like ton of salt or whatever it is. And so there's, there's, there is a quite a quantity of it. And so were they using that to clean the water? Were they using that for other applications? Brine, were they using it in their bath massage system as well? Like using it as a, as an unguent or a medication, you know, there's historical references in Pliny the Elder, though they talk about some of this, um, you know, these things being used for medicine, medicinal purposes. And so, um, so that, 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 and that was a pure magnesium chloride. That's what that was. That was a magnesium chloride, not pure. I mean, I guess it was kind of like chloride sulfate, a little, little bit of combination. Nothing's exactly pure in that natural way because they didn't do things like we do today with that separation, sterilization. They had it in the natural state. So there was always these other oligo elements and everything. But, um, so that was used for something. So getting back to Dutraki, you know, um, when they, Lutraki is a natural bath, right? So it has the natural limestone basins and, uh, and, you know, different particularities with high magnesium. Now, Lutraki is famous for magnesium. It's one of its most famous properties, just like Epsom and other cities around the UK were famous for, even in the States, there's, there's many different springs that were famous for magnesium. So, um, I even think there's something here in Texas near Marble Falls like that because of all the marble once again. So you go back to this kind of like there's like limestone basins and things like that where you can bump into a certain type of magnesium. Now, 
the thing is, is not all limestone is the same. And so a lot of the limestone in Greece, I mean, you have a mix, but there's also a lot of dolomite limestone, which, or magnesium limestone is what it's called. And so it's, it's up to 50% magnesium. Uh, and so that, is an interesting, I mean, that, that says a lot right there. So you're able to get that back out of there through heating, uh, dissolving and heating. And, and so the natural process of thermals can bring that about where you're heating and dissolving stone. And then that's bringing that back up into the water. And so that's making the water even more rich in magnesium than it would be, um, you know, um, normally because it's bringing more in all the time. And so, um, that natural bath, they copied this and they set up this system around Greece and they would use limestone basins, just like a lot of the baths were created through their natural stone properties. They were kind of copying some of that. I mean, they used mud too, and clay and different things, which the clay is also high magnesium in that part of the world. A lot of it is, it's called Montmorillonite which is like very green clay uh, and has a high magnesium compound in it. You know, magnesium is the master molecule of the chlorophyll um, constellation. I mean, it's not called that, but the chlorophyll molecule has, has as its sun or its center, the mag magnesium, just like the, the hemoglobin molecule or, you know, constellation. I, I like to call it that because it just gives an image of, you know, central and peripheral. Um, the, the center of that uh, hemoglobin molecule is iron. And so magnesium is the center of the chlorophyll molecule in the plant world. So it concentrates in the Montmorillonite. So anyway, whatever they had, and that was also dissolvable in, in, by water and heat and things like that. Um, not to, it doesn't mean it dissolves all the structure when you say that. It's just things have a porous nature. You know, clay is porous. So at a micro level, it does have a leaching effect. And as despite how good the earthenware is, um, if it's not coated with something else, um, then, um, or whatever that coating has to, you know, you have to verify what that is and how permanent that is. But in general, it's porous and things come out through heat and time. And so, um, this Lutraki system was copied back out into all the other systems uh, in Greece, and they set up a natural, uh, uh, a man-made bath system copying this, and they would use the, the limestone. And they would also use uh, mortar. Mortar was one of the base layers that was facing the water, that was touching the water. It was like mud and limestone and also mortar. And so the mortar was made through limestone, like slake limestone and uh, seawater and other combinations that they would use to make their concrete, which we don't fully have the exact recipe, I don't think today, but you know, they, they've tried to recreate it. And and it's really interesting what they came up with. This like seawater sea influenced concrete was very interesting because they they thought, you know, typical people would say, oh, magnesium is a softer stone, so why would you put it in with concrete? Because no, 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 no. And so we want something that's more and more hard, you know. And then so that's kind of ridiculous because your teeth, they would break if they were too hard, right? They need magnesium to make them somewhat soft or flexible, you could call it, like a flexibilizing power that rounds out the calcium and makes it strong, not brittle. And so the Greeks knew this and they built structure with it. And there's a lot of areas where they would use more of this seawater enhanced concrete and uh, which, you know, using the salts and the mag and all that stuff there um, was the bitter used. I don't know. I don't know about that, but they because we don't know. 
But what I'm saying is they, they realized that those softer elements would create these por this porousness, and then that porousness would be filled in over time with other elements through the sea, and, and especially in the areas around the sea where this concrete was. So where they find this concrete, they find that it's grown stronger over time, not weaker, which is kind of an amazing property. And that's because the water's been enhancing it through its own porousness. And so... Um, so that's kind of like how we would want our teeth or anything else to be built, have some strength that endures in time and uh, endures. Um, so they copied this system into the rest of Greece and they built their lab, they built their baths out of uh, the, the mortar and the limestone and the mud and even their pipes and, you know, sewers and, you know, the water system, everything was not, this was not Rome yet. So they had lead, they used it for certain things, but they didn't use it for their, you know, all of their, irrigation and, and water drinking and pipe and plumbing systems. No, they did a little bit of repairs with, with lead. They would repair things sometimes with lead or there'd be like little, you know, like repairs to metal and different other types of things where they would use lead. But in general, they kept it clean or unclean basically to our eyes because this would be technically a milky kind of water, not through the water supply, but definitely in the baths. It would be a milkier kind of like um, mineral, kind of dirty, a little funky kind of water for us. It wouldn't be dirty per se, but it would be dirty, you know, technically because there would be like clay and magnesium particles um, that were dissolved into it through heat um, of this system of heating this water in this basin uh, all the time. And then they weren't bathing like once every year. Okay, these people were bathing like daily if they could or uh, multiple times a week. There was a lot of bathing going on. It became the center of the culture. And so um, over time, you know, and um, and so once things were all established and, and everything. So anyway, th what were they doing? What was the mystery of all this? Well, it was magnesium. There's other things in water. There's sulfur. There's oligo elements. There's different things. But as far as Lutraki and as far as that center, you know, that centerpiece, it's kind of like Bath in England, you know, Epsom in, in, in England. And then you also have like um, Spa, which is a city. That's a city in Belgium. But all these places had something interesting about the water or, you know, or the minerals there and how that was getting into the water. And so we're coming back to what this mystery was, the mystery of magnesium, the mystery of history as far as health goes, and even the fountain of youth. The fountain of youth is basically those minerals being broken down in that earth, being sent back up to the system and uh, brought back into the waters for us to absorb much easier than we could through pills. You know, the pills are kind of like a half-truth paradigm that not only pulls us out of a relational capacity with the minerals and our feeling and our intuition and how it feels on the body and, that, that you know, how we seek that. I mean, go you know, hot springs have been forgotten about, but when you can find a few of them, you, you end up meeting some pretty intelligent people there. Just like if you go to a seafood restaurant where they have a lot of like oysters and lobster and things that are very like um, high mineral and, and helpful and high iodine, you end up meeting smart people there too. So it's just a question of, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying just that alone, but there is a question of, you know, people seeking out these things for health benefits, uh, smart people seeking them out, you know? And so, um, so minerals are the key to the fountain of youth anyway, and aging and everything else. So we demineralize, and we've been doing that for a long time. Magnesium has led to it. Cancer, it is the single most important deficiency for cancer as far at the physical level. 
because the physical level has, the structure has degraded through calcium preponderance because the magnesium levels are low through the life cycle and therefore all the tissues have a certain type of rigidity to them, which is not always detectable, but which is allowing for less oxygen. And that's the key, is the structures don't breathe as well without magnesium at high levels through the life cycle. And that's what the Greeks had figured out. You've got to keep these levels up. And that was the way they did it. So we're kind of having to go back and delegate back out to them that foundation. That foundation, that mineral core physical body foundation. It doesn't mean that they have all the freedoms in the world and gun rights and constitutional rights and every democracy all the way. I mean, they did start it, but it doesn't mean that they have everything. It just means that in the level of the body and other certain other levels, they really... Um, you know, they, they helped get that whole thing started. They set up the foundation. I mean, the foundations of democracy, the foundations of philosophy, a lot of those foundations were set up there. So we have to give them the foundational part and we allow that to inform us here in the post-foundational, you know, world that we're in, um, which gives us our footing back and we, we don't lose touch with reality, which is what's happening now with all of the you know, millions of things can heal you, but your foundation, you know, and is not one of the things we need to fix <laughs> or your deficiencies or whatever. Let's just leave that alone and let's just worry about, you know, millions of doctor's visits and vaccines and all this kind of world we're in. So we're trying to help people find this wisdom. And, you know, if you trace it through Epsom, I mean, Americans know about Epsom salt. So it's kind of traceable to some degree through the skin, this whole idea of bringing that through the skin. And that and Epsom was a very popular idea. It, 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 it expanded from Epsom, the idea of Epsom salts and baths. And that got copied from there and went around the world. And it was like we we're trying to get back to that level. The problem is that Epsom salt baths, the bath water is contaminated today. You don't even want to put anything in there. Like there's isotopes, there's atrazine, there's mercury, there's iodine-131, radon-22, there's, you know, chlorine and all sorts of different types of perchlorates. And there's just there's so much fluoride. There's so much going on in there that cannot, uh, and also endocrine disruptors, which cannot be removed. You can get all the best filtration system in the world and they won't be removed. I mean, maybe in the world, no. If you have that kind of money and you can get this kind of like rigged looking system that doesn't look like something that's prepackaged where there's aeration combined with high levels of carbon, high levels of, you know, osmosis and filtration using not plastic once again, but through stainless steel. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff you got to do to pull this off. And so, um, you, you know, buying glass bottled water is probably your best way for now. Um, but you know, as far as getting the magnesium in your body, Epsom's not going to work through bath water. That's one. And then two, the Epsom salt isn't created the way it was anyway. Like it's not in its natural state. It's not this natural stone anymore. This is all made through synthesis and, or even, even if it's not synthesis, there's, there's solvent extraction and purification and sterilization and they, they separate the, the sulfate and then they re, you know, they pull off other elements and they have to solvent extract it to get those elements off and then they repackage it and whatever. And it usually comes from Asia where they mine for asbestos and everything else. And I'm not just being dramatic. These are truths. It's like 80% of the world's magnesium comes from there and Tibetan exploitation and everything else. And so this is not the way forward either because it's not the right stone anymore. And then on top of that, it's the bath is not the way to go. 
So you have those two factors. And then the third factor is that it's not chloride, you know, it's sulfate. And so magnesium sulfate has a more of a detoxifying feature on the level of the skin and the surface and a little bit of cellular recharge. So, you know, but chloride is really the intracellular um, vehicle. It's really the, 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 ma the major molecule within the human body, the body uses and the skin as well. It's the major component. It's the major magnesium component when you get into the sea as well. And so a concentrated form of it is how you can pull this off, this Greek mystery at your home. That's what we sell, transdermal magnesium, Zextine inside in the blue glass bottles with no other ingredients, silicone tubes for all of our you know, bottling process and doing things right. And so only one ingredient in the bottle, like this, just the brine itself, which has oligo elements and just natural com com um, composition. So um, doing it right and getting that stuff through and using the body as a dosing vehicle, using your skin as a huge dosing vehicle. Look how small that kidney is. Look at how huge that skin is. The Greeks figured it out. We got to listen to them because guess what? We've got 95% deficient in magnesium. And coffee and sugar and everything else and pill and toxins and all those things aren't helping either. But 95% deficient uh, in magnesium and we're about 60, 70 years into the pills. I mean, if you count the World War uh, first and second, I guess, where they had started these pills. But um, what I'm saying is we've got the pills. We've had them forever and they don't solve the deficiency and they never will. But they will work to some degree. So they'll keep you buying them because they do work to some degree. And then there's all the marketing and blood vein barrier and all this kind of BS marketing that, you know, pretending that the body is not selectively permeable, you know, and, and that it can't bring things in. The skin is dead. It can't pull magnesium in, the, you know, the, 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 the corneum or whatever they call that, the, the, the corneum layer of the skin is dead and there's not, nothing going to happen there. So they have a very like, you know, lack of observation, uh, to see how all of those systems dead or not are still connected to our lymphatic system and bring things into the blood and everything else. So there's just a, a kind of a myopic view on anything that seems almost like where they see death, typical Cartesian science, there's probably life process underneath there. So um, anyway, um, just try to come get the right stuff, heartoftradition.com. We're trying to help people make it through all this stuff and get themselves started on this. It's the number one deficiency in the world. It helps flexibility. It helps so many different things in the body from injury to nervous system to sleep to helping hormones, the brain use sugar properly. There's so many other things in addition to the simple things of cramps and pains and inflammation. You can add as well the heavy metal detox, the aluminum detox, the chemical plastic detox through the sweat. Um, so yeah, don't miss out, get the right stuff. Come check us out at theheartoftradition.com.